If you haven't found me on Go Wild yet, I highly recommend that you do. Go Wild is a free social media community for hunters. It's also just a generally good place to hang out and chat with other hunters, find tips, and even buy and find gear and discuss that gear and see what others are using for their setup publicly on their profile. So it's a pretty great place to really kind of better yourself as a hunter and you're not going to get shunned on their platform or censored. It is literally for hunters and outdoorsmen and women. And if you join... It's free. You'll get a $10 gift card to spend on their outdoor gear store. You can find brands like Garmin, Vortex Optics, uh, Rocky Boots, uh, Treason, and uh, plenty more. Early Riser Coffee, Quick Survive, thousands more products on their platform and growing every single day. You can find the link to join in our show notes or you can go to timetogowild.com and you can download their app for free. This is the OKS Hunter Podcast. Never pass on shooter bucks, because that's just me in the freezer. It's your tag, you hunt how you want. This is OKS Hunter. everybody welcome to the okay hunter podcast coming at you from the okay hunter podcast studio where we never pass an opportunity to make new memories of the field have a good time and every buck's a shooter buck right that's right at least that's in the eye of the beholder right craig challenged me when i told him never to pass he said it's my take it's my hunt i did <laughs> i was touche that was the most touche thing you've ever done <laughs> i did and i had a tortoise named touche that was more touche than touche <laughs> so touche <laughs> but yeah, you know, I passed on a handful of bucks this year. Yeah. It's all good. But you didn't pass on having a good time. That's no, I the didn't. important part. Well, shout out to uh, Drop Time Spirits for filling our bourbon old fashions. Indeed. You can't get much more Wisconsin than that. Darn bourbon. good right Darn now. Good. Wisconsin based bourbon and a Wisconsin old fashioned. And uh, oh, back with Grind Coffee has been keeping me caffeinated per usual. I got some for you guys upstairs, so don't let me forget to let you walk out with that. Okay. I brought that up for deer camp. We did. Enjoyed it. We enjoyed some at deer camp. First year I ever brought a thermos of hot coffee with me in the stand. Greg questioned my uh, my judgment there, saying it might be a trip down the tree and back up the yeah. tree, but it worked out. Kept me warm. It's good. Yeah. Well, so you didn't have to go back down to take care of business? Uh, no. Business was uh, business as usual. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Yeah, if you want 10% off Backwoods Grind, if you want to take a couple trips on the tree stand, <laughs> use code it's OHP. And uh, obviously... Extra strong. How, how have you been... Have you been using Spartan Forge? I have. What if, What are some things that you've noticed about it that have uh, enabled your hunt this season? One, I like the map quality a lot better. <laughs> um, every time I turn around, he's they're making it more solid and more user-friendly uh, just with some of the little features... Um, I, I really like the the landmark. You know, it, it's kind of a, a trivial trivial little thing, right? But you know, you compare it to some other things. I really like the way the landmarks are. You can log pictures in, very similar to some of the other apps that are available. I I really enjoy the the fact that there's weather on it. You know, wherever GPS location you're sitting, it'll give you the weather. You tap on the map somewhere else, it'll bring up that location's weather. Historical weather too. Historical weather. Yep. And, and if you're into following the whole patterning of what the deer are doing, you know, the general deer, not your 
your monster, not your monster. I, I feel it's pretty accurate. Like you and I went up up north. We looked at Spartan. Spartan says it's not going to be good for movement. And they were right. <laughs> they were right. They I was pissed right. about it, too. I was like, yeah. there were no deer movement. We were either. I'm like, man. Nothing. And then it wasn't until like the next Wednesday that it said movement was going to pick up again. I'm like, well, I'm going to be long gone. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. They weren't wrong. But unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of hunting pressure either. To I thought it was going to be proven wrong because of the hunting pressure, because that's a variable that I don't think they have cornered just yet. Yeah. So uh, anyway. No, they are presenting sponsor, and it is a phenomenal tool. It's a one-stop shop, and it's getting more and more robust as it, as it kind of yes, gets it uh, iterated, as Greg had said. So if you want to save 25% off of their membership, whether that's you know the iOS or the you know Android or the web app, web app means website, um, you can use code OHP. So go do that. You don't get a kickback necessarily. It's not like we're doing a revenue share, but... Um, it's definitely worth it. They yeah. are, they are, they helped us with the studio. They are a presenting sponsor. So we, we appreciate them. We love to use the tool and we like to get eyes on stuff first. We like to test things out. You bet. So that's good stuff. We do have a guest with us today. Yes, we do. None other than Clint Campbell with Truth from the Stand. How you doing, What's, buddy? Good. What's going on, fellas? How you guys doing? We're all right. A couple of sips into our uh, bourbon old fashions. We're, we're Lick, on our way. Licking our wounds from the last few months here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hurt myself with some old fashions on Saturday. I think it was, uh, it was put up the Christmas tree Saturday, which is always yeah, festive. That requires an old fashioned or some kind of drink. Yeah, there was, there was a few of them and, uh, woke up, woke up Sunday going, man, I haven't done that. haven't done that in a while. <laughs> so you know it was uh not as young as i used to be should i say so the recovery period is just it's just a touch longer felt like i had the gonosurpa hepalades to be honest <laughs> talking about that everything was a bit cloudy <laughs> yeah for sure but I, I was listening to you guys on that up front talking about the spartan forge stuff and like you know i work with bill um in, in, in the forge crew as well and i was using it you know all this year you know the beta version and when they finally launched and I'm, i was picking up what you were putting down as far as like the map quality and stuff like that because i i wasn't as in tune with like how important I, I guess map quality would be in a lot of places i hunt around pennsylvania and stuff like that because it, it's um i'm really more so looking for like well there, i'm really looking more so for like you know contour lines and and, and topography lines and stuff yeah. like that as opposed to like satellite map features so to speak but i just got back from kansas and obviously not a lot of up and down there. So, you know, some topography more than you might expect, but where it really came in handy was how detailed the map kind of imagery and quality really is. Because what I couldn't see in some of the competitor ones was like the detail and the drainages that you, yeah. that you could get with, with, you know, that I could get with Spartan Forge. So I could kind of take a look at some of that stuff and I'd be able to tell whether or not the drainage was going to be worth something for me to look at or whether it was going to be something I should just, just kind of keep driving and not pay attention to. And so it actually cut down a lot of my time of having to put boots on the ground to kind of check drainages out because I could really kind of get a good idea from the truck whether or not it was even worth me kind of taking a walk through. Yeah. Well, and if you're hunting a lot of those drainages and there's cattails or taller grass that nobody's ever cut, you're going to be able to pick up those deer trails too, mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, we hunt swamp quite a bit here and it's cattail and marsh grass and dogwood and, and some thick, nasty stuff. So historical deer trails are, are pretty prominent through, through that kind of mapping. I think one right. thing that it 
the the better quality maps helps with too is when you're hunting like the big wood situation or just a larger forested area you can actually pick out different kinds of trees just based on what that foliage looks like even if there's they're all leaf on yeah like on some of the competitors it's just a big green blob kind of yep but i can like pick out and go oh that one looks That's like the you know, tree. Yeah. maybe a hemlock yeah. that might be a stand of oaks there yep. we did that we did we that were, we're like yep those yellower leaves those are the oaks and over here those are real yellow those are poplar trees and and right. when you have that it's, with the contour lines, like Clint mentioned, that's yep. that's good information to have. When I was in yeah. Pennsylvania, Johnny Stewart was sharing a bunch of his pins with me so I could have a spot to go hunt because I was with those guys, Spartan Forge and all them, for their veteran hunt. And and Johnny was like literally pointing to the tree on Spartan Forge. Like, <laughs> I think this is a what uh, he said, some sort of tree, right? Like whatever that was. And he was right. Walked right up to the damn tree. And there it was. This is the one I'm putting in. Like, <laughs> right. I'll do whatever he says because he kills a lot of bigger tree than I do. He, <laughs> he, he, yeah. I think he just killed one today, actually, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, I'm not sure, yeah. Nope. Yeah, yeah, it was, he went to a spot that had some thermal cover and some uh, and some uh, winter food on the outside of that thermal cover, and Johnny Stewart got it done like he always does. Not surprised. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a super nice dude, too. He was so humble and gracious and helpful and, and like, you know, always trying to do good things for the whole group, uh, yeah. took care of everybody up there and sacrificed his own hunts for it, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Derek's got to do something. Here. I just got a, sh- a quick shout out to my wife. Ashley just texted in and said that the kids are watching and listening to us right now. Hi, Gus. Hi, Penny. Gus Thanks Penny. for tuning in. Better behave. <laughs> we'll, watch we'll, we'll watch our swear words. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, keep them out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got to keep it clean for the kids. Got to keep it clean. Keep it smart, right? The chilling. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. But what, what I was going to say is that when you were talking about picking out, um, you know, picking out trees by kind of looking at the at the map and getting that more kind of detailed look at it. I did a similar thing earlier this year thinking about fall hunts because I know just in, in historically speaking with uh, John Eberhardt, actually, he talks a lot about that, especially if you're freelance hunting, you're going into an area and it's this is more for like late fall where a lot of times those oaks will be the last to kind of drop their trees or you can kind of distinctly nope. tell which ones they are. And so he'll get on some higher ground to where he can maybe see a little bit of the canopy and be able to kind of spot where there might be some oak or some acorn potential. And then he might make his way there where he's freelance hunting. And so I did a lot of that this year in some places I was maybe a little bit unfamiliar with where I just kind of went through Spartan Forge and looked on the map to see like, where do we have some of the, you know, that foliage change and where is that color kind of existing? And those are places I need to kind of go investigate for, you know, where when acorns start dropping to see if there's going to be a, a potential kind of October lull opportunity, if you will. Sure. Absolutely. So. Well, we got a lot that we can talk about. It's always, uh, I would say it's the best part we're talking about, uh, talking about the podcasters. Like it's pretty easy going, natural. We can get hung up on all sorts of topics, but I know in the invite I sent to you, you had specifically called out like travel hunting. Um, mm-hmm. as one of the potential things to talk about. And you just went, it was to, to Kansas, right? Is what you'd said. Kansas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get my K's confused. So I don't want to say Kentucky or something, but uh, I think on your last podcast, you said it was a 24-hour drive pulling a trailer. I did 10 hours to one way to PA from Wisconsin, and that was that was rough on the rump. And then you throw <laughs> yeah. sit in an actual saddle for the next day, full day. And yeah. I'm like, man, yeah. I didn't get much. You know, like, I asked for sore. <laughs> like, yeah. You're it was on your feet. <laughs> so, I mean, that's got to be one whole topic all by itself is how do you freaking keep your legs and your butt stretched out? when you're yeah. driving that distance, but you know how you were living out of your truck, you know, yeah. and then you guys, this, you guys went to Illinois and lived out of, you were out of your van 
and you did a motel. So yeah, we I mean, did I think this is a pretty cool topic. Went, yeah, he went down first for what a weekend, a weekend in, yeah. in the van, and and endured that, and that was all good. And then I'm like, well, the two of us are there. I don't think you want me in the van with you, <laughs> and we aren't going to fit in the back of my truck. We so. a big spoon or a little spoon? Yeah, big spoon or little spoon. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, well. Size does matter. <laughs> no, no. We do have a shirt that says size doesn't matter. I've argued it differently. He's turning red over here. Hey, it's your tag. <laughs> but no, no I mean, we, we, we did it in a hotel. We, you know, it was nice. We had room and place to charge your phone at night and all that stuff and kind of a place to call base. But, you know, at first night, we couldn't hunt where we wanted to. So we ended up traveling further away from the hotel to, to get there. And, you know, it was still fun. It was a great adventure, and I still got a tag yet, and I kind of want to go back, but we'll see if that happens because I've got a procedure to have done right at the beginning of January, so my, my clock's ticking here. I got December to try and get something done. So, Clint, your trailer, is that set up to stay in? Like, is that your mobile hunting rig? You got everything in there for, like, lodging and gear, or what's the deal with the with the trailer? Yeah, it's uh, I actually took a 6x10 trailer. It was kind of my, when the you know, quote-unquote, when the pandemic started. Uh, it was my project over the summer since I knew I wasn't going to be traveling or, you know, visiting family or vacation or anything like that with, with my wife and daughter. And so it was my grandfather's trailer, six by 10 trailer he used for crafting. He had passed away and my grandmother wanted to get rid of it. And so, you know, I picked it up off of her cheap and, uh, I basically gutted it and outfitted it to be a mobile hunting rig to where I'd have a place to stay. Cause I travel to hunt every year for a couple of weeks somewhere, sometimes multiple States and, you know, I, I hated the idea of having to do all my homework. I'm just certain, certain things I plan out really specifically, other things I don't like to. And hunting is one of those things I don't like to plan out super specifically because my, my life in general at work is really kind of regimented and planned out. Um, and so I like hunting to be a little bit more free flowing and a little mm -hmm. bit more kind of spontaneous. Um, yep. And so a lot of times whenever I go places, I didn't want to be held beholden to like one specific piece of public. You know, I hunt pretty mobile just in general. It's like I'm a saddle guy like you guys are or I hunt from the ground or whatever. Um, and I wanted my ability to kind of move about in a state to kind of resemble that as well. And so I took this trailer and outfitted it with solar, uh, solar panel, solar generator, propane heater, built a bunk bed in it and insulated it and, you know, and basically turned it into like a little two man uh, travel camper, so to speak. But it's six by ten. So. I can basically stealth camp anywhere. So it doesn't look as though there's someone camping. It just looks like someone's trailers parked there. Um, helps, you know, helps also whenever you're sleeping at truck stops and stuff like that, it just looks like someone has a camper in the parking lot or a trailer attached to a truck in the parking lot. Sure. Yeah, um, and that's, yeah. And that's a lot of what I did, you know, cause I, I work remotely, you know, the company I work for is in Toronto actually. So it's like, I'm never in the office. Um, so, you know, whenever I leave to go hunt, it's like, I can leave a couple of days before. So my, I can maximize my hunt time, which is exactly what I did going to Kansas. It was a 24 hour drive. So I left on Wednesday and started hunting Saturday, you know? And so I just basically worked during the day and then I would travel at night until I got tired. Then I would pull over at a stop or a truck stop or whatever. And I would sleep there overnight and then get up in the morning and just work the day from there. Cause I got a cell booster in there to where I can connect to the a cell service enough to get on zoom calls and stuff like that and use my phone as a hotspot essentially. So I'm able to work and play from it. So it extends my hunting trips. Nice. That's yeah. a really solid setup, man. That's that, awesome. Solar panels and everything, huh? Exodus actually yeah. did the video on, on his whole trailer. It's pretty sweet. I yeah. remember you mentioning in uh, some of your podcasts over the summer, I was listening to you, you're kind of going through and explaining what you're doing. That's that's a great setup. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's worked out well. I just, I mean, I, I'm not a carpenter or I don't really have any, I'm not mechanically inclined, so to speak. So, you know, I'm sure, you know, my buddy, uh, Nathan Killen, he built one and he has much, you know, much better mechanical skills than I, than I do. He actually built one that where his wife and daughter will actually stay in it with him. My wife won't be caught dead in this thing. So, <laughs> so, yeah. so but it works for what it needs to do. I built a little DIY, you know, uh, uh, shower for it as well. You know, I think in the course of two weeks in Kansas, I think I took four showers in 18 days. So, you know, just enough to keep, just enough to whenever it gets real foul, you can get cleaned up a little bit, but it's not going to, it's not going to do you a whole lot more than that. It keeps the flies away. That's about it, man. It's uh, that might even be questionable. So you're towing it with your, with a pickup truck. And then if you get a deer, you're throwing that. So one of the questions I have is like, if you actually get a deer, there's a lot of regulations around transporting animals across state lines. So you're quartering that up, I would imagine, right? Yeah. I mean, always kind of looking, you know, different states. I mean, Pennsylvania, I can't bring anything in. So it's so at some point during the trip, you know, regardless of what state I'm at, I have to kind of get debone it and kind of take care of it before I get for before I get back here. Um, but you know, I do have a, a small, like three and a half cubic foot, uh, freezer that's in the back and I have some shore power, like the, where I can actually plug into like a power line. So it's like, I could get a campsite if I wanted to, or like when we went to Kansas, we were staying, we were hunting all, all Weehaw or all like walk-in access properties. And the place that we ended up staying was just a piece of Weehaw that Chad actually had met the, uh, rancher, the farmer who owned that property. And we met his uh, grandson. And we were, they were cool with us just leaving my trailer there and staying there. So we had kind of a base camp that we just dropped it and stayed there. And then we just drive to hunt wherever. Um, Later in the trip, I was hunting about an hour from where the camper or from where the trailer was at. If we had more time, I probably would have moved the trailer, but it just didn't make sense to move it just for like the last three days. So we just, I just made the drive every morning. Um, But that's kind of the beauty of it. If we were going to be there, you know, another week or whatever, it's like, we just would have picked up camp entirely and just moved to another spot, you know, and just drop camp, you know, wherever, wherever we could kind of slip in somewhere and be, be someone unnoticed. So you can get a lot closer then you're not totally stuck to that hub or tied to or tethered to that well, tethered plan words huh? to that uh, <laughs> camp. Yeah. How did it go Chad, by the way? Like, it looks like he, he got a good one and you guys Dude. got it from the ground. Like what? Yeah. He killed, he killed a giant. He's a big, like he's the guy. So were you the little spoon? I was, the, uh, yeah, I'm always a little spoon with him, man. Are you kidding me? That guy's like former D1 football player, professional bull rider in his past life. It's like, yeah, I ain't winning that fight. So we'll just put it back. Um, the, uh, but no, he killed a giant, man. It was funny when we were going out there, he and I both had, you know, we didn't have delusions of grandeur. You know, he's my, he's my road dog. Like we basically travel together every year for a couple of weeks somewhere. And that's, you know, it's always good to find a hunting buddy that likes to hunt the way you like to hunt has a positive attitude, doesn't get down when you're not seeing a lot of deer, you know what I mean? And just is willing to kind of get after it day after day. And so we, we worked together well in that capacity. And so when we went out, we were both like, Hey, anything that's boot, that's, you know, Pope and young are better. We were both kind of shooting for like 130 inch deer. And our goal was really to kind of do a lot of driving and spot and stock and, and really kind of like white tail adrenaline style hunting. Like that's really what we wanted to do. We didn't really want to go sit in a tree for two weeks and, you can do that in a drainage out there. And if you sit long enough, a decent one will probably come by you. Um, you know, but that's just not, what's that? You didn't have that kind of time. Right. That, I mean, I had two weeks, so I could, I could have certainly kind of spent the time doing that, but it was also like, I can do that in Pennsylvania. I can do that in Ohio. It's like, I don't have to drive 24 hours to go do that. You know, what I, you're looking for right. 
Right. What I wanted to do was be super aggressive and hunt from the ground and, and, and take that approach and see if I could actually do it. Cause I've never really, I've hunted from the ground a little bit in Missouri and stuff like that, but never like exclusively. And so first couple of days, I saw a big deer the first night we were there, probably, I don't know, it was probably close to 160 inches. We actually had him on a camera, but I glassed this field as on my way out, just had a little bit of daylight left to, to kind of check things out and saw this deer. And it was really kind of slow going from that point forward. I think two days later, I saw another deer. It was probably in like the 150 caliber ish. Um, and then a young, and then a young buck. And then Chad, he was hunting that piece. I think the first day he was there and then he, you know, hadn't, we were doing a lot of driving and trying to glass something, bet it. We had one really good stock encounter that we blew the opportunity. We saw this buck, we bedded him down. Uh, it's a small ditch off this, I guess it was a winter wheat field. Um, and we ended up playing with him for probably, I don't know, I want to say like three and a half hours. And we would stalk in, get closer, get closer, get closer. And then we couldn't see him anymore. And we didn't know if he slipped out the backside or not. And we had a decoy and tried to rattle him in. And he just wouldn't, he just wouldn't come. And we thought we knew where he was bedded. And um, once we got to about 40 yards and he didn't respond, we thought he slipped out the back without us seeing. So we went in and sure enough, when we walked in there, we jumped him out of the bed right where we thought he was at. So if we just would have been a little bit more patient, it was just a learning curve, right? It's like, you know, it's, you know, I think Jared Scheffler says this where it's like, they look like they're just ultra aggressive, but it's learning and knowing when to be super aggressive and when you need to be really, really patient. And that yeah. was one there where we just needed to kind of stop and spend the day there and wait for him to get up, stretch, take a leak, and then be able to ID exactly where he's bedded and then make a play. But we just were rookies at it. So we made, made that. That would have been the same way. Jared said that to me too. We did a tactic talk with him and he said, I think we shared that episode again earlier this season or something, but he I said know. there's like passive aggressive and aggressive aggressive, like need to know mm -hmm. when to, like you said, be more patient. You're still like taking an aggressive approach, but you got to pump the brakes. And he said over time and experience, he's like, we just got intuition with it where we know, but if you haven't done it, you have no idea. You have to go through it to learn it. You're not just going to go out there and master it out of the gate because you read a book, heard him talk about it. But right. you, and, now that you did it, you're like, oh yeah, that's what he meant. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. It's like, it, I mean, it was, it was no sooner did we see that buck jump out of that bed and run. And we both just kind of looked at each other. It's like, dude, we should have just waited. We, this should have been an all day sit. It should have been all day that we just waited for him to get up to stretch. So we could glass him one more time because where he was bedded and the way the wind was that day, we could have actually circled completely around him and probably got to a point. Cause it was super windy that day. I want to say we probably had like 20, 25 mile per hour winds. Um, if we would have had enough noise cover, we probably could have gotten position to actually shoot that deer in the bed, like to where, you know, we wouldn't even have to wait for him to get up, but just rookie mistake. But I, at that point we were both struggling just to even see deer then at that point, which was really kind of took both of us aback a little bit. We're in Kansas. We figured we would be seeing good deer regardless. You know, we didn't think that, you know, there's not a 180 around every, I'm not going to say trees. There's not a lot of trees, but around every piece of Milo. Um, but you know, we figured we would see deer driving and that was our plan was like drive, see deer, make sure they're on Weehaw and then chase them down. And so after a couple of days of not seeing much, Chad, there was a spot that he had scouted in the spring when he was turkey hunting. And uh, there was a ton of deer sign in there, but there was also a lot of human sign. And that's just something we typically will avoid, especially if we're out of state, if we can. Um, but he was like, I'm not seeing anything. There's tons of deer sign in there. So I'm just going to go check it out. And he got in there first hunt he saw a 150 and a 120 pushing a doe around and she was like, well, this is good. And then he did a little exploration and ended up finding this bed that was in this like really kind of like the cedar thicket. And then he, so he's like, well, I'm already in the bed. I might as well follow the exit trail, follow the exit trail out. And when he went 
out the exit trail, it dumped into this little stream. And then there was a line of cedars and that was all completely rubbed. And I walked in there with him after, of course, to help him get it out. There's so much deer sign in there, like rubs. It's ridiculous. The amount of deer sign that was in there. And so he set up about 40, 50 yards off that bed at four o'clock on the 11th, that deer walked out and himself a little blind in between two cedars. And uh, he shot it through a basketball size hole that he made in the cedars, just enough to get an arrow through at five yards. There was a point during that hunt where that deer was just on the other side of the cedar boughs where he could have reached out through the cedar boughs and grabbed that deer. Like <laughs> he was that, he was that close to it. So it was pretty intense. That's the experience you were looking for. Yep. That's just it, man. You know what I mean? So, and that thing was a hoss. I mean, we never taped it or anything, you know, to see how big it was, but I mean, it was a 10, you know, a, a mainframe 10 with a, a drop tine off his, off his right side. Um, probably all of, I mean, certainly gross, once in the mid 170s, I would say. And, you know, he, he made net, he made net boon once it would dry, but giant, giant deer, public land. I mean, you can't five yards, you couldn't ask for a better hunt than that. No, that's no, pretty can't. awesome. <laughs> that's something else. We should get him on jet. Text him, tell yeah, him to call yeah. it. <laughs> We're yeah, sharing story. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm telling his story for him. You know, it's like, you know, but it, you know, otherwise like from there, you know, we just, we were really kind of focused on trying to get me on a deer and it was really kind of weird that we were seeing a lot of top end bucks and a lot of low end bucks, but not a lot of mid tier. Like, cause we weren't targeting, I mean, he killed a 170, but that's not what our intention was necessarily. We thought we would see, you know, quite a few, you know, one thirties to one forties that we could kind of chase after or whatever. And we just weren't seeing that we were seeing, you know, 150, 160s, that 170, you know, and we just weren't seeing a lot of them. You know, I had an opportunity at, one that was about a hundred and between 150 and 160 inches on the ground at 20 yards. Um, we glassed him in a, uh, in a winter wheat field cutting out a doe. And then we could see where this drainage and we thought he was going to run to. And so, you know, Chad turned the truck around real quick and basically like hauled ass down the road, parked the truck. We've sprinted into the woods because we thought he was going to use this drainage and we were trying to cut him off. Now, I would tell you that's a stupid thing to do. Like I would never think in a million years I'd be able to cut that deer off. It's just like, we were like, ah, let's do it. So ran after it. And sure enough, like whatever it was, five, 10 minutes later, that deer made its way through and ended up coming around my right side. I heard him on my left side. He just kind of looped around me and I was in between two cedar trees and Chad was filming from across from me. So he could see him and that deer was at 20 yards and it was, and I was in between two cedar trees and couldn't see him and never got a shot. So that was the, that was that encounter. And then that's, yeah, damn near worked. I mean, we were at the right spot. You know, the kicker was, is that we, that doe that he was with ran into some frag. And so we tried to follow her on the other side of the frag and kind of get downwind of that to see if he would scent check it to come back and find her. But they ended up going into this ditch that was just like 50 yards from us. And Chad went back, Chad went back to the truck to get the, uh, the decoy. And when he did, he bumped that deer out. (laughs) And he was like, he was like, he's like, I can't believe it's like, I just bumped that deer again, you know? And so, I guess it was two days later that I ended up going and doing some scouting. I found another little spot that I really liked. And I got in there in the morning, which just a little bit of gray light and set up. And I wanted to set up on this little knob of CRP so I could kind of see down on this creek bottom. And uh, my intention was to see and kind of get the lay of the land and then figure out where I wanted to go set up on, you know, on that bottom. But I just wanted to see how it laid out because I'd never been in there. And as soon as I got a little bit of light, I had a doe behind me at five yards. I literally was naked. I was in a ghillie jacket in the middle of a CRP field. So there wasn't like a tree. There was no nothing. And uh, that doe came behind me. And then I ended up having like a 
mid 140s, 150 inch deer. I snort wheezed into a decoy and he went to check me downwind and I needed two more steps. I was a full draw and I just needed him to take two more steps past the, past the locust tree and he just wouldn't give it to me. And that was, and that was it, man. That was the last encounter I had. Those are good encounters. Yeah, it was. The equal part's like exciting and amazing and fun. And and then somehow on the other side of the coin, it's like super disappointing because it didn't happen. You're like, damn it. Oh, yeah. That that last one I thought for sure was going to happen because I played okie doke with him for probably like, I don't know, five to 10 minutes. It might have been seven minutes in between there or something like that because he came in and I saw the wall of tines and I wasn't sure how, how big he was. And then once I got a little bit of clearance, like he's still too far away and I could just see his head. And I was like, okay, that's, that's a big deer. And he started working a scrape and he went to turn away from me. And when he went to turn away from me, I had a decoy set out and I snort wheezed at him and he turned around, postured up, got all pissed off and walked into that scrape again and worked the licking branch and worked the scrape again. And then he wanted to come to me and then he stopped. And I thought for sure, I was like, man, if he comes in to this decoy, it's going to be like a 10 yard shot. And that's going to be all she wrote. But the grass was so dry, and that day I did not have a stitch of wind. I mean, almost every day on that trip, it was like 15 to 30 mile per hour wind, and that day I did not have anything. And so every time I made a little move, you could hear it. And so he came around the opposite side of me, and so I turned, and then he looked like he was going to come the other way, so I turned again the opposite way and just making a little bit of noise each time. And then he finally was getting ready to go down on this little, you know, it's not a drop, just like his bottom kind of shaped like a bowl where it drops down. He was getting ready to go down in there. And that's, as I was dropping milkweed, I was watching my scent kind of flow down in there. And I'm like, man, he gets, if I kill him, I was like, it's going to be like within feet of him catching my scent. I was like, or if I get that West wind, I'm supposed to get it seven miles per hour today. That's not freaking happening. (laughs) I'm going to, that'll probably buy me about the 10, 15 feet I need and I'll stick him. And I just wasn't getting it. And he just stopped. And I, I assumed at that point I was done and I was at full draw, just waiting for him to try to make one more move. And there's just nowhere I could slip an arrow. And he just turned around and walked, walked back where he came from. And that was it. Smart deer. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was a good one. They're intelligent when it comes to that. That's been kind of the story of my season, man. I've had four encounters with shooters this year that I just could not get an arrow off. Like, and they were all within 15 yards, you know, that I just could not, seal the deal for whatever reason so it's just been a, a season of 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 near failures <laughs> as we say and i mean at least you're having opportunities right depending on how you count your success you're in the right spot you're doing the right things it's just you know it's just sometimes it, the ball doesn't fall for you nope. yeah i mean i always kind of say that too man it's like to me part of the success is uh strategically beating them you know what i mean and like in yep. on those four occasions like i i had them beat you know, it's like, if I weren't hunting public land, I probably would have trimmed those lanes. You know what I mean? So, um, you know what I mean? So, and they would have probably been dead deer, but you know, that's not the case. So, um, you know, got to play by the rules and you know, what happens happens and you know, you live with, live with the outcome, but you know, to have four really good encounters that I had this year, it's, you know, you know, and most of the encounters in Pennsylvania were during the October all, we're all mid October. And I'm finding that's becoming more of my sweet spot around here at least than, than any other time of the year. That's cool. Yeah. I've been my, my running joke this season is I got really, I'm getting really good at hunting, but I got to get better at killing because I'm getting yeah. those, I'm getting the, I got a 10 yard encounter with a yeah, big yeah. one and I'm in the zone. I'm just not, you know, I'm just, I'm just, it's a game of inches. I'm in the reds and I just can't freaking get the ball into the end zone. That's It'll how happen. I feel. It'll so, happen. 
Yeah, well, everyone says that. <laughs> Just keep trying. <laughs> and maybe it will. Keep trying. <laughs> if it doesn't, don't then, get discouraged then by like, it. No, certainly, it's. It, I think that's a that's a rub. It's like it's easy to get discouraged by, but I I look at that like you do, Clint. It's a win to get that mm-hmm. close to these bigger ones. That's not easy to do. That is, I was telling someone the other day. I'm like, they're a golfer. I'm like, you know, you've never golfed a day in your life. Let's pretend. Put someone out on the fairway or on the golf course. What the hell it's called? I don't golf. And you put a driver in their hand. Eventually, they're going to get that ball on the fairway. They can hit those, no problem. You can get to see deer. You know, you can get the ball on the fairway. And then as you get your way down the fairway, suddenly you got to do these chip shots in the sand. Those are hard. It's hard to learn, more practice. And then mm-hmm. your putting game's got to be good. And then it becomes a game of inches. And you can spend the next 10 years trying to perfect that stuff. And mm-hmm. still, you're not a pro. Like, that's kind of where I'm in. Only you know, in deer hunting. <laughs> like, <laughs> and Greg's been a big help with all that stuff and, and tuning up the right gear and practicing and all that stuff. But it's, uh, it sure is a lot of fun. Yeah. It sure is a yeah. lot of fun. You can't yeah, it sure is, man. Keep a positive yeah. attitude. Otherwise, it's all over. Like you said, Chad, he keeps a positive attitude and grinds up the next day and let's go. That's important. That mindset's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, speaking of Chad again, just, you know, because I was just recently hunting with him, it's like that was, he was at a one of four year dry spell, you know what I mean? Like where he didn't, he didn't kill anything, you know? And part of it is he's, I've watched this and two. He's, uh, he's running a business and he also passes deer, you know what I mean? And it's like, and it just depends. It's like, if my goal was just to fill a tag every year, it's like, I could, I could do that, you know, but you know, there's some deer that I let go this year that other people may or may not, you know, it's like we were saying earlier, it's your tag. You do what you can do with it, what you want. Right. It's yeah, like, oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, it, and that's just kind of, you know, I guess my, my approach a lot of times is just, I'm looking for a specific, sometimes a specific deer, you know, and this year in Pennsylvania, it doesn't happen often, but this year, like the two deer that I had encounters with were two deer that I knew, like I had, I had them on camera and I knew who they were when I saw them and, um, which doesn't happen too terribly often, you know, for me in this area. Um, but that was super cool. And they were both four-year-olds, which also doesn't happen very often in, in, in Pennsylvania, That's you know? So, cool. yeah. So it's like, for that, I was like, man, you know, I was in the right spots. It's just, you know, the, the one I didn't recognize which one it was until it was too late. And I didn't, and, and again, it's just like, you, you, no matter how long you do this, it's, you know, you still sometimes make mistakes. And and I made a mistake where it's like, I should have drawn whenever I was figuring out which deer that was. And instead I was trying to figure out which deer that was before I drew. And then by the time I figured out which one he was, he cleared the last piece of brush between he and I to where I would actually have some cover to draw. And that was it, you know? And, uh, and so that's a bad on me. Like that one should have been dead. You know, the other one, I just didn't get a shot opportunity in PA, but 15 yards and just no, you know, working a scrape, just clear cut, super high stem count had one place I would, could shoot him if I could. And he just wasn't going to cross that. He wasn't just going to walk through that area. It happens. It's hard. Cause he's like, oh, he's here. This is my chance. And then it doesn't work. And you're like, well, am I going to get it again? It's, it's hard to know. You know, I had, I had a moment like that this season. I, I glassed a deer all night, not night. I need to be careful saying that it's, it was the, you know, the right. latter half. You guys got, you guys got some weird spotlighting rules out there. That's no. <laughs> why like, you were seeing the big ones there. Like, oh yeah, I'm watching this buck. He's ten- <laughs> like, oh, he's, he's, you know, he's fighting off, uh, or he's scaring off a, a little fork buck, a little four pointer. So I was like, oh, that's cool to see. But he wasn't moving. He wasn't moving from this area. He was like pretty steadfast on, on holding his ground. And then sure enough, a doe pops up. I'm like, oh my God, he's tending that doe. So that's the first time I actually saw a buck tend a doe. 
And I told Greg, he's like, you need to get down and make a move. I was like, I don't think I can do it. There's not enough daylight left for me to get over there in time with the way that I need to snake through this property. I had to go up the hill, back down, over and over and under and try to maybe play the wind to my advantage so he wouldn't see me. And I didn't know. And then I wouldn't be able to have eyes on him. So I glassed him the whole night and said, I'll make a move on him the next day. And let's just pretend he's still there. Like, let's hope that happens. He wasn't there. But had I have made my move on him, what I had witnessed is that doe ran off and he chased her. So I would have gotten there and I wouldn't have known that that it happened and i would have thought maybe it was my fault you know so just interesting you know i was trying to make the the wiser delayed gratification play and it didn't pan out but it was fun know. to you try to try to strategize so i you know it's just it's interesting how this stuff goes man i i felt like this season i was trying to make smarter moves than any other season and mm-hmm. super mindful of entry and exit too smart and wind for good. and just man just not close enough you so put anyway yourself close to yeah. close to some big deer that's the right move yep so it's it's fun though i i which i'm i keep saying and, and then i deployed a trail cam a single trail cam <laughs> a cell cam this whole season and i'm like a kid in uh you know a candy store. guys guys look at this buck <laughs> they're here like it was exciting you know the whole <laughs> thing is no it's out of battery so i gotta go get it but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, I was kind of in the same boat, man, where this year, it's funny, I'm talking to a buddy of mine, and, you know, I scouted a good bit with him, and I was like, man, I was like, I feel like this year, I was like, I was just on my game, like, I was in deer, like you were saying, like, I was in deer, like, all year, and I actually had a really good beat on him, just based on, like, truck hammer strategy and stuff like that throughout the year, it's probably the best year I've had for, for that, um, and I just felt like I was really strategic, like, there was, like, during the month of October, man, it was like, every time I went out, I was either having an encounter with a shooter or I was seeing deer that like I was, that were the better deer that I knew of in the area that I had on camera and stuff like that. And it was just like, every sit was like a high quality sit. And, and it was because I was patient, but I was also like aggressive, right? I was hunting those time periods where people tell you not to hunt, right? It's like, don't hunt mornings. Well, I had all my best encounters in the mornings of October, you know? And so kind of threw that, threw that out the window, um, paying attention to my entry and entry and exit and in one particular spot using, you know, a kayak to get in and out and stuff like that. So I can hunt that multiple times, you know, without, you know, boogering it up and, and, and things of that nature. Um, you know, but it just one of those things where it just wasn't, wasn't, you know, wasn't meant to be, but you know, the strategies were right. And, you know, the, the planning was right. The, the one, there was one deer in particular that still kind of haunts me. Um, I had a couple hunts for him this year and I, I never had an encounter with him. And he was the one I was really wanting to try to, to, to kill. And I saw him early in the summer and I wasn't sure what he was going to turn into. And then I ended up catching him again on, in like on a primary scrape and end of, uh, I want to say beginning of, I guess it was middle September. My season comes in like the middle of September. I live in a special regs unit and, uh, and then I kind of played it cool and I shouldn't have, I should have went right in and, and tried to kill him because he was pretty active in daylight during that early part of the season. Um, and there was a ton of white oak acorns in there, which was kind of why he was holding up in there. And then I saw him one last time, I think on the 13th of October. And then I went to try to hunt him and then he disappeared. And then I, I ended up scouting that area and found like this kind of way these deer were kind of using this area. And I found two other primary scrapes and put a cell camera on one and left the one alone. And he wasn't showing up on that cell camera. And so I was like, you know what, this one scrape was at the bottom of this drainage. It's like, I wanted to just go hang a regular camera on it. I went in and hunted it on the 22nd of October and freshened up that scrape and never hunted that spot again. On the 23rd, I would have hunted it because I had the right wind, but I went to a different area that I wasn't, super worried about boogering it up because my daughter had an equestrian riding competition that 
that day. So I needed to get out of the wood at 1030. So I hunted a spot that was kind of like a, a throwaway spot, if you will. And went to do her, you know, her ride or her competition or whatever. I pulled those cameras when I got back from Kansas. And guess who showed up on the 23rd at 930 in the morning on that scrape? Oh, that jerk. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's got double split brows and has uh, double split G3s. Both of his G G3s are split and both of his brows are split and just a hammer of a deer. And I've been and then I missed him by a day on the 20. I think I hunted him the 27th in a different area and had him on camera on the 28th in that spot. And so I missed him by a day on a couple of different occasions. And then one just wasn't where I was supposed to be the day that he decided to daylight, you know, at 930. So they're crafty, man. So how many states have you hunted? And so Kansas, obviously you're in Pennsylvania. Where else have you gone and hunted? Uh, this year it was just those two. Uh, but just overall, it's like, you know, I hunt Ohio relatively frequently because um, it's a close state. And, you know, I hunt there with Chad a fair amount. Uh, Iowa, Missouri. Uh, I think that's it. Iowa, Missouri, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and in Kansas. I try to add a new state every year. That's kind of usually you- my plan is how do you balance that with a wife and a kid? We were all talking about that before we hit the record button. Like we got kids, wives, wives, you know, like it, it's hard to get time away from the family. Like it's hard on everybody, the family and yourself. This is a yeah. lot. Ask, how are you doing all that, man? Um, secret for I, us? Have, <laughs> I have a very understanding wife. <laughs> no, I mean, it, a little, a little bit of a little bit of humor and a little bit of truth it's like i was a musician prior to you know doing what i do now for a living so i wasn't home sure. a lot you know and, and the lifestyle was pretty hard um and was not always the most favorable for married life we'll say um and so my wife's kind of like well anything's better than that at this point <laughs> so you know um so there's a little bit of truth to that but no really it's just communication man like you know she knows that like whenever that time of the year hits it's like i try to be as available as possible like the rest of the year like for whatever family events and vacation or whatever the case is and then it's just you know mid-september to like the end of december essentially other than like the holidays it's like that's i'm just not available um and you know and and we just have kind of those those ground rules to a degree and i'm just honest about it she knows it's what i'm passionate about and i'll be miserable if i don't get to go do it which you know everyone's miserable then so (laughs) So yeah, so, I think you and I are similar in the sense that we're you know, both we're hosting podcasts and hunting. So it's really, <laughs> I have a passion for for business and for deer hunting. And my wife's like, you literally have two separate things, and then you've also joined them. She's like, you have three <laughs> ways to you know yeah. find yeah. yourself being busy. It's a, yeah. and she's but, understanding. She's great, and she holds a fort down. Well, I mean, yeah. she's watching our kids right now. You know, yeah. all three of them just a I mean my daughter's 13 now too which makes it a lot easier you know so where she can help around the house and stuff and then the other thing is too is like her her parents are retired so her mom actually comes down and spends the two weeks that I'm gone like with her and her granddaughter and just hangs out here because their their birthdays are around the same that's the other thing like she usually makes out pretty good because her birthday is uh usually when I'm gone during the rut so you know I usually end up having to owe some 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 <laughs> gift, gift giving you know, to kind of make up for those things. So it's, <laughs> it's funny, <laughs> right? Her and Chad's birthday is actually the same day, which is kind of funny because I spend oh, Chad, I spend, I I spend to, to some real good jokes. You know, you spend yeah. She's like, it's kind of funny. She's like, you're always spending your spending my birthday with uh, another guy in a small trailer on his birthday. That's really kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do what you got to do, man. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, man. Hey, 
sacrifices right. I'm willing to make. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But uh, but yeah, that's kind of how I work work it in. You know, I, I don't know where I'm. I think because the way things kind of ended up in Kansas, I think I'm kind of hell bent on going back there next year. I think is the is the plan. Um, so I may not add a new state uh, next year, other than maybe Idaho, because I have a good buddy that just moved to Idaho. So I may go out there and maybe do some elk hunting, or maybe out, go out there and do some whitetail hunting. So That'd be cool. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I'd really like to get back out West. You know, I need to make more trips out there while the body still will, will allow me to climb mountains and do those types of yeah. things. This is the time to do it <laughs> because when you're 60, it's going to be awful tough. Yeah. You might need yeah. to do something. No, that's, that's what? good. So your season sounds not too dissimilar from ours to some degree. We all tried yeah. really hard. Well, Greg got a buck, so I shouldn't speak for him. He actually, yeah. He you know, actually killed something. It wasn't what I was. And you got a doe after, but it was, it was like, but he walked by. Things. Well, he walked by and then looking at it going, January, I'm done. I have to have surgery, and that's a four- to six-week recovery. Um, I still have the Illinois tag burning a hole in my pocket. Sorry. Uh, no, ain't your fault, man. We tried. We it's put literally on, his we, fault. We, 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 <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's literally <laughs> your fault. No, nah, and I'm looking at it going, I passed on a couple of smaller bucks I didn't want to shoot. And one was three yards, right, you know, eye level. I could have picked him off real easily with the bow. It would have been cool, but it wasn't what I wanted to shoot. Um, a couple other smaller ones, and then, you know, the day I shot that one. I bet you thought about shooting that little one. No, I didn't, because he was he was literally 10 yards downwind of me, and he was like, he's looking, my bow was literally on the tether, getting ready to get tug up the tree. And he stopped, and he looked in and went, oh, that doesn't look right. So he hopped backwards, and he kind of looked at it again and went, Maybe I should put my tail up. He looked around, nobody around. He put his tail up and he just kind of gradually walked off. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, that was cool. Nice seeing you. Whatever. And then I had camera arm and everything all set up, snowing and raining and blowing and kind of crappy. And 4:30 rolled around. I'm like, another rainstorm hit me. And that's enough. I'm just gonna pack this th- this thing in. That you know, the show's over. Got. 15 minutes to close so stuffed all that stuff in the backpack and no sooner did i zip the backpack up i hear brush cracking down right where that other little guy came from i look and i can see the reflection off of his body and he's much bigger in body and his antlers are at the ear tips and he looks tall from my perspective and he's 35 yards and closing and you know what this isn't even a judgment call you're dying if you come over here. <laughs> so he, he pulled in, you know, broadside, five yards, started to flank off to the to the south, and I was already at draw, and I just kind of staring at his front shoulder. I hit him a little high because I was up high, and he didn't go 60 yards, and I watched him fall. So It was, it was awesome. It was great. Great buck. Yeah. Nice yeah, you went buck. and helped him drag it out, didn't you? Uh, no, no. Was your, I called you. I was in a tree too, and yeah. I think you texted me. I think I that was the dough that I was thinking <laughs> yeah. of. My bad. Yeah, no, he was he was with me with the dough. Yeah. And it was nice to have someone there to help me drag it out of there because it's same area. It was, it's yep. not an easy place to drag stuff out of public land swamp. So all the blowdowns and all the nasty stuff to get through. Yeah, it was good. It's a good season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. You know, with yeah. the gun, it, nothing with the gun, huh? No, I, I had one deer in mind with the gun, and I didn't see it, so it didn't happen. But I helped my uncle get a deer for his first time getting a deer in three years or so. 
So that was fulfilling enough for me. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. You can say something there, Clint. What do you got? Uh, I was going to say, actually, you know, I was going to commiserate in your misery of the drag. Um, <laughs> the Kansas drag, like all, all but nearly killed Chad and I kind of trying to get that thing out of there to, to the point that it actually, I've always kind of been a, uh, a minimalist where I'm like, ah, I don't need any help with that stuff. It's like, I'll figure out how to get it out of the woods when the time right. comes. But, but when I got back from Kansas, I did buy a deer cart. Not going to lie. Cause I was like the whole time yeah. we were dragging that thing. I was like, man, if we just had like a half ass deer cart, not even a good one. Like just right. like, you know, right. it was like, it would have made, made life so much better, you know, cause that was uh that was not sure. a pleasant drag. Like, you know, you'd think Kansas, not a lot of up and down and I'm not lying. It was all uphill. It wasn't steep. But it was all the entire trip was just gradually uphill to get through like the CRP to get to the to get to the to the road, and trying to drag 170 inches of antler through CRP grass that's like chest high, catching on everything. It was it was miserable. That was probably one of the worst. The drag I had in Iowa was probably was twice as long, and I would say it was twice as easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that CRP grass, man. Those Get your antlers, hip flexors going too. That antler down low like that—if that would have been up on a cart, even up like a foot and a half, two feet—would have made a world of difference, you know. And if the ground is relatively flat, I don't know. I I like using carts. That's why I dragged this guy. I was like, why is this so difficult? I'm not even that far. Like <laughs> dragging, dying, dragging. But sucks. we do got a caller, uh, Evan, yes. who I got to Pennsylvania. Uh, Masters, Evan, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. You got a question for uh, us or Clint? Yeah, uh, one for Clint. I've, I've, uh, it's a kind of with this podcast. But where's that? Where do you get that music um, when you start up? Because I will say that is, that is the most prompt. It'll be like random time of the day, and here goes the Truth in the Stand podcast, and I'm like, want to run through a wall. <laughs> oh, is it better than this? I'm just kidding. It's pretty good. I listen. It's, di- yeah, yeah. it's, it's just a different. It's just a different. It's yeah, just stuff. hit a different chord with me. You know, you guys get me pumped in a certain way, but over <laughs> in PA, Clint's got me, you know, like feeling like, come on. I mean, I'm like a buck sixty soaking wet, but I feel like I could run through a wall with that music on. I'm like, let's go, let's go in the woods. I'm skipping work. Let's, you know. <laughs> a little more. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I mean, I'll say, I'll say this. I'm a fan of like '70s rock and roll. You know, yes. I like like I like ass kicking, stomp your foot, like let's pound the beer and maybe put a hole in the wall type of rock and roll. You know, that's kind of what I grew up on. Big mm-hmm. fan of Leonard Skinner, Guns N' Roses, things like that, right? And that's kind of like that what that music is akin to. What it is, I've got no clue. I actually purchased it off of Epidemic Sound, so it's uh, it's all copyrighted and like I'm cool. I'm like I'm legal Steagle on that on that end, so I can't get yeah. in any trouble. But I just found a piece of music to what that literally the criteria Evan was. This make me want to kick ass and uh, and take names. The answer was yes. So that's that's what you got. Perfect. <laughs> there's a, there's exactly. a lot of different like, yeah. answers out there. Yeah, that's a good, good question. Good stuff. Yeah, it was one of those things where I was like, you know, I came here to drink beer and kick ass, and I'm all out of beer. That's kind of what that song says, you know. Oh, <laughs> uh, that 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 always gets me. Hey, talking about the drag, I'm not going to take too much time, but um, it's nice to have good buddies. I and I shot my buck on the first November. Not nothing huge, no. It was my first buck with a bow. I, I kind of got out of it for a few, a good one. you know, from college and get back into it now. And uh, he he's coming back from working all day and helps me drag through all that swamp stuff like Greg was posting during the gun season. And that's even with that smaller, you know, hundred some inches only. That's that was no fun. So it's nice to have good buddies. I'll uh, 
I would be cool if somebody helped me any day with a drag, that's for sure. Heck yeah, man. Congratulations. Yes. Congrats, man. That's killer. Yeah. Always good to have good yeah. buddies, man. I do have a, a, a small yeah, well, confession. <laughs> a jet sled is worth What's its that? weight in gold. Is that like an ice fishing sled? Yeah. I got that deep okay. ice fishing sled. Yeah. That's how my buck got out of. I got a big rope on mine. I just threw it right on my chest. Derek walked through the stuff that we had to go through. It's nine to ten foot tall giant ragweed. I got lost in there. I'm lucky I made it out. (laughs) (laughs) So the jet sled helped kind of part the sea. So do you say jet sled over a deer cart? Would you you prefer that? Is that your preferred method? Or actually, we use we have a uh, we have it in tandem where the jet sled is the off road part. So the part that's nasty, the CRP, the the uh, the giant ragweed, cattails, snow. you name it, snow. It was it was great because it rained. So after we got the the buck gutted out, I got him in the sled, tipped the sled up, and we started pulling. And the grass was wet, so it was sliding real nice. It was sliding pretty nice. And then once we got it up to a, a flat path, we could have picked it up and put it on a deer cart and, and wheeled it out. And we've done that during gun season. But my uncle's got the deer cart. I have the sled, so we'd take the two pieces when we go together, but I didn't have the cart. So the sled, I, we dragged it all the way to the ditch, across the ditch, up onto the field, and then into the back of the truck. So you guys you guys out there in the Midwest are fancy. You got you got two contraptions. Well, most of us are ice fishermen and deer hunters, so you, you yeah. got to make the best of the money you're spending for these hobbies and try to get them overlap. No, no, I, I can use this for both things, okay? That sled's hauled a lot of deer out of the swamp, and it's hauled a lot of firewood and fishing equipment, and you name it. I've, it that's been everywhere. It's my buddy. That's how that's how I sold the fam on my well, kayak. Talking about those random sleds, I will say, because um, I kind of just from the last couple of years learned about these Ohio guys and some, you know, kind of the, some of the, a lot of those guys, the culture of deer hunting and stuff. I was actually randomly uh, deployed to, I was in Al-Assad, Iraq, so like central Iraq, and this medic looked at me because I was with a medevac company for a couple of months. And you like to deer hunt, don't you? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, hey, I got this, I got this uh, litter thing here. And I could barely fit it in my bag. Well, you end up giving this little litter. And of course, I didn't put it in my in my truck, so I didn't. Ha- it does no good back at the house. But Ohio flight medic gives me some random litter they're not using anymore. So that'll be my sled if I can. Uh, we'll see what that com- how that compares to the jet side. But I think if you put the truth in the stand intro music on, <laughs> the in and that start deer pulling, will be out of there. Man. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's great yeah i feel like our our music probably just makes you want to get drunk i don't know that's yeah. what i think that's why we're usually drunk <laughs> one of my favorite drags is when yeah. uh up north of the cabin coming out of the logging road i had a buck on a deer cart and i met up with two guys and they were dragging like three deer two dads and they're like yeah, our boys shot a eight pointer and a doe and i was like oh cool and i'm talking with them i'm like well where are your boys they're like oh they'll be back i'm like okay so all of a sudden i see these two little orange hats running down the logging trail from way up on the hill and they get there and they brought beers for dad oh god and then they go the dad goes hey boys got bad news this guy needs one too back to the truck <laughs> so the two boys go taking off back <laughs> they were running and bringing us and push lattes oh, on the that's great. and then were they the deer draggers and after that too no, the, they, I mean, great. they were hey, only like 12. If my son goes so and fetches me a beer after I kill a deer and then drags my deer out there, <laughs> I will have done a great job as a parent. <laughs> great job, Dan. Uh, those, cool. are, those, are some, those are some life goals right there, man. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's life goal. Yep. Well, uh, exactly. 
Uh, Evan, we got another caller behind you, so I'm going to drop you off and bring on the next caller, if that's cool. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks good for talking to you. All right, take it easy, Thanks, man. All right, next up is another known caller. We got Nico calling in to talk about deer stuff. Well, that's probably the best topic, Nico. Do you got yeah. any particular questions for Clint or for us on this one? Yeah, a little bit for everybody. Uh, oh. Talking on the whole deer drag subject. Have any of you guys ever thought about just investing in like a frame and then hauling everything out, like just packing it out? Is that what you do? That I mean, is what I, carry, I do. Yeah, I, I carry one with me. Uh, I don't carry it into the timber with me. I always have a Western pack in the back, in the, in the bed of my truck. Um, in case I'm going to have a gnarly drag and need to and need to quarter it out, I've just never r- personally run into run into that yet. Other than when I was in Montana, you know, getting a bull out, I've not had to do it for whitetails yet. But I do take one with me at least in the back of my truck for the beginning of the season to the end of the season in case I'm in an area where I can't where I can't drag it or I'm just too far and I'm just too far back. But yeah, good call on that for sure. I've got one too. Um, I have not used it to quarter a deer out. I've only, I've deboned one deer in the field, but that was because we were in a big hurry leaving Nebraska and I shot a little bitty buck last night and I was like, all right, let's get the sucker in the cooler. So I literally just start slicing and dicing. So we got it out of there, but I haven't packed one out yet. No, uh, just don't look the same on the meat pole hanging no. in four pieces. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a Western thing, man. We, we like to see that deer hanging. I don't know. And Western yeah. guys look at us cross-eyed like, what the hell are you idiots doing? Yeah, buddies of mine that have done it say they'll never do it another way. Like, they're just, yeah. like, even if it's not even if it's not far, you know, they're like, it's just, like, the only way to fly is to is to, is to pack it out. But I'm the same way where it's like, you know, I want to put it in the back of my truck. If it's, if it's a water access, I want I want a picture of it in my kayak. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I want the whole, I want the whole experience. And so I'm willing to sweat, grunt, in like curse for like a couple hours as it happens to get it out to get all those things. But yeah, it's a, the, the pack is always with me in case I'm, in case I'm not willing to put that type of work in. <laughs> there's something about dragging out that has a, a really, I don't know, like a, there's a lot of appreciation for the meat after that situation. Right. Where you're like, I'm not wasting a freaking scrap of this. That was <laughs> really hard. Yeah. You, yeah. There's like yeah. gratification. You, in the you earned every ounce of that meat. There's also something about grabbing that antler and pulling it too. You know what I mean? Yeah, like right. just, you know, my, uh, my buddy Byron from uh, Whitetail Experience, like they call it hard-earned bucks. You know yep. what I mean? And like that's like the thing. It's like, you know, I always think of that now, you know, even when Chad and I were dragging it out, I always thought we'll get a picture of that, but, you know, just dragging that buck out, just grabbing it by the antlers, pulling it out. Like that's like the, that's the OG way to do it, man. I feel like my granddad like didn't have a drag rope or any of this fancy stuff, and my dad, and they got plenty of bucks out of the woods. So, yep. I, I'm kind of stubborn like that too, Clint. Uh, sometimes I have a good buddy who I know, like, you know, you shoot one, you're like, oh, I could call my buddy and have him come help out here, and I was like, you know what? It's just gonna be <laughs> so get sweet started. if I just put myself through the misery and I don't just bug him, and I just I, yep. get it done myself. Like, I, did, I did that a few years ago with that big eight pointer that I got. <laughs> shot that thing out in the out in the marsh and it was a long drag and had my my lone wolf stand and all my sticks and you know so much crap pretty proud of that one yeah but i dragged that sucker all the way across two ditches got it through all that ragweed field and a lot of crap it was a lot of crap and had coyotes running around me howling and doing their thing and 
It's like, well, I should just run all this shit back to the truck. No, nah, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm like the dad with all the groceries. I'm not making more than one trip. I'm <laughs> no, just gonna get exactly. it done. I'm just gonna I'm do so it. weird about that. I'm gonna knuckle down, and get it done. Like my dad will go back and get the cart. I'm like, ah, I'm just gonna drag it. So I went and got the cart for him when he got his seven pointer this, you know, whatever it was a weekend ago uh, for gun. But our buddy Jared Norwood down in uh, Arkansas, he packed one up and threw it in a sea bag. But it's hot down there and hilly. He's like, bro, I'm not. And he said like this, bruh, I ain't dragging no deer through this damn heat. So he'll, he'll cut it up. <laughs> I, saw, I saw Mr. Tubbs here wearing a deer backpack. Yeah. That's, that's the key. You shoot them small enough. You carry them across Oh, yeah, I did that with the dough. Through the cattails and the frags. Yeah. You get them to the trail, and then it's an easy hike all the way back. Yeah. To the truck. I might have been with Mr. Bechtel once when he threw one over his shoulder. Uh, <laughs> you get far enough back in and a doe fawn walks up. You're like, you know what? That monster buck I was after. He's going to be a bitch. Forget right. it. I'm shooting this little one. Yep. <laughs> Tastes better yeah. anyways. Late season, you definitely make some business decisions. Maybe I'm just a weenie then. Yeah. <laughs> you've done more. You've done a lot of Western hunts, and, and you know your way around a blade. Like, you you obviously do, Derek, Craig. You do, I don't know if you've caught up your – I don't. Like, you want to see me cuss and piss and moan and swear and probably <laughs> slice my hand open? Like, you want to see – you remember watching me try to stack those sticks? It'll be like that, but worse. Well, I remember you trying to cut tenderloins out of your walk last year. and I, No. Give me that knife. Please. <laughs> Just stand back and let me do this. There's a lot that I don't know. I have no shame admitting all the things I don't know how to do. It's fine. It's all right. When you only do it once in your life, it's like like a skill that I've learned that great. You don't know until you know. Yeah. When I won't know either way. (laughs) (laughs) So I got to have these. I guess that does does make a little bit more sense then if you're not going to be, if you're not going to be the one butchering it up, I guess. Mm -hmm. No, I wish I, I... I would like to if I was if that if that's what I had my life dedicated to I'd probably be really good at that stuff. But some people yeah, are just good at that shit. Some people just know. Oh, the muscle fiber runs this way. You put your thumb in there and you don't even need a knife. I'm like, how did you not, know that? You know, it's, it's like hard. you stick my, your hand in it. Yeah, okay, so you're one of those guys. My parents used to cut. We used to cut up our own deer every deer we got All when time. I was a kid. So mm-hmm. ever since I was little, it was here's a slab of meat. Like yep. start mm-hmm. slicing. What the hell? So I mean, you learn to it. Just do a bunch and nope. you figure it out. Yeah. I like to butcher. I'll be the first to admit I'm not great at it. I can get the job done. You know, like like you were saying, it's like I've done it since I was a kid where, you know, on the farm we would shoot deer or stepdad would shoot deer or whatever, and we would just butcher it up, not because we were finicky about it, but because we just were too poor or cheap to take it to the, <laughs> take it to the processor, essentially. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's kind of how I learned how to do it. You know, that's how I learned how to skin pretty much anything or whatever. But, you know, even still, it's like I'm not great at it. I can get the job done and cut some steaks out and stuff like that. But if you're talking about cutting roasts out and hams and like, yeah, I'm not your guy for that. Like that stuff <laughs> turns into that stuff turns into burger meat. I'm gonna be able to get your your, uh, your back straps out. I'm able to get your tenderloins out. I can probably cut you a neck roast. Other than that, we are talking burger all the way. Throwing it in my grinder. That's probably what I need to get. In line with this, you want a burger? The whole deer's burger, then? No, <laughs> that's, no. that's okay with me. Nico, uh, any any other questions? Oh no, no, that's was my my only my only con- comment and or concern. It's a good All one, right. man. Nico. But, my my goal is to pack see. one out in the near future, so I want to do what you're talking about. I got to try it out sometime. Let's get some. Yeah, point us in the direction some video content for like how to learn how to do that. That's fair. I never thought of that. That's a good idea. There you yeah. go. Drop it in the link in the comments here for this or send us a DM or, or what have you and or make one yourself if you're doing that stuff. I think Hell yeah. I have an appetite to learn how to do that stuff. I, I, it's something I would like to try. 
my wife would probably would understand. Yeah, I got a I got a muzzleloader tag for this weekend coming up, and I'm gonna be spending some time in the Shawnee National Forest down south. So if I get lucky and hook up with something down there, I'll, that's that's not a bad idea. I can make a little video. That'd Hell be yeah. cool. Hell That'd yeah, be man. awesome. Sweet. Rock out. Well, thanks for calling, man. Yeah. I'll make a commitment. Later. If I if I fill any uh, tag here in the late season, I will pack that deer out this year. There you go. That's the. There we go. That's the. That's the okay commitment. We're all making like. Who wants the freaking knife for the blood? We're gonna. Be, we're gonna be messaging each other. Did remember when we were just deer? saying we were done hunting? <laughs> now yeah. we're we're all gonna go pack. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm all jacked <laughs> up now again. So I got to shoot one in Illinois, and you guys are gonna get a phone call to come help pack it. Up. I think I have the pass to go help with deer. I think that's permissible. Okay. So, Clint, you better you queue go. up that music. You got to get us going here. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I, I, got some hunt, I got some hunting yet, too. I got like another, I don't know. My, my season here runs through the end of January locally. So Ours I've does too. And typically, I, I usually hang on to a doe tag or two and, and, and go out till the very end and endure the cold because I, I like doing that. But, um, you know, this year it's just not, not in the cards. Clint, your audio got chucky. I don't know what. What happened? Uh, it's okay now. Good. It's just chopping up. It's like, do, 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 do. but our your signal's strong, so is ours. So I don't know what's going on. Until yours dropped down, so maybe it's picking up and going down a little bit. I'm not sure. I, so I can hear it even. You guys, are you guys catching that too? Yeah, yeah, catching it. Too. A little crackly, little crickle crackle. Hmm. Let me let me throw you off to the back and bring you back in. See if that makes a difference. Yeah, it's definitely on his own. Oh, oh that's still doing it. Still doing it. Yeah, it's still doing it. It's just chopping it up. It's unfortunate because I want to ask you for your okayest hunter moment. Well, that stinks. Hmm. Oh, wait. Are we, are we back? Maybe it's You're better. nice and clear now. Okay. Okay, there we go. Don't know All what right. changed. I don't know. I said to bring it good. up, I guess. But... Sounds good. Aliens, yes. man. I'm blaming it on the aliens. <laughs> yep. Yeah. They're cutting the airwaves right now. And when it gets fixed, it's wizards. It, you know what it is? It's NSA. We are being monitored. They know this group right here has all that we need to overthrow the world. That's yeah, right. It's probably, Bill, it's probably Bill. It's probably Bill's messing with us. Military <laughs> <laughs> intelligence embedded in yeah. our podcatching equipment. He's probably bugged this room. Bill's moving right. satellite. <laughs> That's why he wanted to help out with it. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So now what you got an okayest moment for us, man? Oh man, I was thinking about it actually as we were talking, trying to think about what the okayest uh okayest moment would be. If you know, briefly, you know, the okayest moment recently would be that drag with Chad, to be quite honest with you, because that was just that was just brutal. Like I just you know, we're both relatively in shape dudes. Chad's a big dude, and like I thought it was gonna kill thought it was gonna kill the two of us. Um, but I think my OKS moment, if I had to get sentimental since we are around the holiday season and I just saw my dad, he actually just texted me this morning. He killed a buck in Pennsylvania during gun season on his first one on the, on his retirement property that he bought, that he just built his cabin, sold his house in North Carolina and moved in to his new place and just shot his first buck off that property, uh, Saturday at four o'clock. Um, which is cool because I've hunted it a couple of times with him and we've not killed anything off of it yet. I've just. I'd run cameras and, you know, show him what's there. I really don't, I really don't hunt it. And just, just hoping he would be able to get something. And um, so it just made me think that my okayest moment, we were talking about dragging deer and you were talking about, you know, if your son brought you a latte 
and uh and drug your deer for you would be like you know you did parenting right moment i can re- i can remember the first deer i shot uh, first buck i shot was on this little 30 acre piece that my dad owned that our house was on that i grew up in and uh it was a spike i mean when i say it was a spike like it was if it was legal it was barely legal it was one of those things like my uncle literally looked at me and said how the hell did you see those like you know what I mean? like, you know it was it was like you could get a ring on it like you know and it was legal but it wasn't it wasn't much more um and i remember i shot that deer and it was down in this hollow uh that we had uh clear cut the side of this hollow was clear cut and there was a two track that ran down through there and so i shot and you know my dad knew that it was mean i always knew that i could just hold tight and he'll come over i was probably 14 i think um and that he would make his way over but it was it was like first thing in the morning i want to say like you know eight o'clock or something like that though i knew he wouldn't come over until probably lunchtime to help me out or whatever you know so i got that deer and and gutted it and i drug it up out of that hollow myself and got it up to the house well he went over at lunchtime i guess this to help me and realized i wasn't there so he ended up walking up to the house and this was kind of my okayest and proudest moment. You know, it was kind of like I had arrived as a deer hunter, at least in my dad and my, my uncle's eyes, is I drug that deer all the way back to the house. And I got, I got it up into the bed of the truck and I didn't use the truck to get the deer to the house, but I put the deer in the bed of the truck and backed the truck into the garage and hooked it up on hooks because we didn't have a gimbal or anything like that or like a, a hanger or anything like that. It was just like hooks through the, through the, through the hawks, essentially, you know, or through, the, through the tendons and hoisted it up one of the rafters of the garage and it was already there starting to skin it out before they came back. Oh, and man. that was kind of my okayest moment because I wanted to just prove to the old man and that my, to my uncle that, you know, I didn't necessarily need their help. I've watched them do it. I understand how to do it. You know, I'm part of the clan um, and I can be just as valuable, you know? And so that was kind of my, my okayest moment. That's awesome. That's way more than, I mean, that's like, that's amazing. <laughs> that's a great moment. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. So well, they're like a, they're pretty proud. Now I didn't get the asshole out, you know, like there was a lot of stuff I didn't that I, that we I messed up. The part. Yeah. 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 The asshole, the bladders, like that stuff that you need to get out was still in there. That was the first time I gutted it like on my own, you know, and took care of it all on my own. So there was some cleanup the old man had to help with and stuff like that. But you could just, I'll never forget the look on his face where he, he just looked at me. He's like, how the hell did you get that deer up there? And I was like, I mean, I wrestled growing up, so it wasn't like I was a weakling, you know? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I just hoisted it up on the truck. And I was like, I just took it a leg at a time and dropped a couple, <laughs> dropped a couple <laughs> testicles and yeah. got it up there. <laughs> I got a time. <laughs> cool. So that was that, it, man. We got, we do have one. So we have one more caller and I'd hate to leave him hanging. So we'll, t- we'll cool. take one more call. And then we'll wrap up and bring the plan in for a land. Looks like we got, uh, if my screener is getting it correct, we got John White on the line. John, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing good. John White, that's the right name, right? John White, yeah. Rock on. Where I'm, you- I'm the hunting challenge on Instagram. What's up, Clint? What's going on, brother? Oh, how are you? Hunting challenge. There he is. Rock on, dude. So what... Uh, you got a question for Clint or for us? No, no. Well, I, I, so we're talking about okayest moments and, and I'm just <laughs> reflecting back on the season. It's been a hell of a grind. Um, I've done a really good job of like getting on target bucks, like mature deer for, I'm in South Jersey. So like a mature deer is three and a half, four, lucky to, lucky to see a five. Um, but 
I'm like oh for three as far as killing. So I've done really good on the hunting part, not so great on the killing part. Um, and I and I reflect back because I know that that Clint had a challenge back. Uh, I don't know if it's I, I guess Iowa where he missed one and you do like yoga and crap, but I don't do yoga. <laughs> but um, I, I was just like trying trying to figure out. I I, I turned to the bourbon actually uh, <laughs> yeah. third miss. <laughs> and uh yeah so I, I was just struggling with that and, and just i mean ultimately what i realized and i, I know I, I know clint is is pretty religious and shooting throughout the season and i didn't and like lesson learned is after the first miss shoot and what i ultimately found out was my pen was i was six inches six six inches low from from my zero mark i shoot single single pin um I can't remember the guy's name who, you know, zero to 30, eight, same, same aiming spot type of thing. Yeah. That would be Brian from day, day six gear, right? Brian from day six gear, right? That zero to 30, like you got a three inch, three yep, inch yep, drop yep. usually at 30. Yep. Yeah. So I, I think that like just trying to the mental game, man, the mental game is, is, is huge. Um, and that's, that's, so I'm happy that the hunting has gone well, but the killing hasn't, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. You're in my boat. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think a lot of guys, I think it's, I think that's the case for a lot of people, man. I just don't think they talk about it, <laughs> you know, to, to be honest with you, you know, it's the uh, people miss well, it. Here. You don't get the grip and grin. So it's definitely not publicized nearly as much as anyone that gets one. Right. Post a picture of freaking horns that you yeah, get your hands wrapped around it, and it's gonna get a thousand likes or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't even know any of those people, you know. Yeah. I post a picture of shit. I almost got one, <laughs> and I get freaking five people like, "Good job, buddy." <laughs> you know, it's like totally right. different. <laughs> so, I mean, I think, like, that mental sharpness that you mentioned there, John. I think it, as the season goes on and you see more and more grip and grin pictures of other people being successful, you just. Whether you mean to or not, you put that pressure on yourself. And then what happens with me is the later into the season I get, the more I'm trying to force, like, oh my God, here he is. I got to like make this happen. It's like a sun cause like gambling. Happen. And I don't let it, yeah, I don't let it like naturally happen where I just like stick to my Things calm like target process. panic, get a hold of you. You just start go bad. going, I got to make it happen. I got to make it happen. And then uh, I rush and put a hundred bucks on a slot machine happens. and going, oh my God, I'm a hundred down. I better put 200 in. Yeah. Like you would never do that. that. Why were you right, doing that? Right, right, yeah, yeah. I just mentally, it's stuck. Yeah, I mean, I, I I do try to shoot a fair amount during the during the season, just for that reason. Like there was, I went out and shot the one day, and I was you know shooting two inches left, you know, and so I just had to kind of get you know, I just kind of had to get things redialed back in, you know. And I talked about it on one of my shows, like I had a doe this year and lost her, like in the like third hunt or whatever. I just rushed the shot, you know what I mean? Like I I thought she was going to bounce, and I probably had another couple seconds to spend to just make sure I was on her the way I needed to be on her, and I just and I rushed it. So, you know, people aren't, you know, they're not uh, absolved of making of making mistakes. I mean, you know, buddies that I know, like Greg Lidzer, for example, shoots you know competitively, and he'll make a bad shot now and then. You don't want to, but it happens. He did it while he was out in the Alleghenies last year, and you know, he came back and killed a, a, a great buck, like thing, like two days later or whatever it was. Um, just kind of have to stay diligent. The other thing you mentioned about social media, man, like you're so right. Like the best thing about being in Kansas and being out in the middle of nowhere was like, I did not see social media or really anything online. I didn't know what was going on in the world for two weeks. And it was the best I'd I'd felt in probably like a a year since I had gone on the previous trip. 
You know what I mean? And it's because that shit isn't even real life. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? It's like no one wants right. to talk about right. the grind and the bad stuff that happened in, like between the times where you had something good actually happen. Like that's actually real life. You know, um, like right. today I posted something where it was like me doing something stupid with the camera when Chad was filming me. And that was right after that big deer was at 20 yards and I never saw it. You just kind of have to laugh about it. It's just part right. of it's part of the experience, man. You know, it's I've learned to try to enjoy the moments when I'm not going to get a shot or whatever the case is, or wherever I'm watching a target deer and I'm not getting a shot. You know, it was uh, Todd Mead that I was talking to. He hunts the Adirondacks, and like one of the things that he mentioned that really stuck with me was that you learn deer, you learn about deer by being around deer. Is the best way to learn them, the best way to figure them out. And so I just typically, whenever I have a good encounter, if I'm not going to get a shot opportunity, even if I'm going to up until that point, I just try to be as observant as I possibly can and watch their mannerisms, watch how they approach things, watch how they want to use the wind, watch when they get tense, when they don't get tense, start to try to read their body language, just because it's going to help me for future hunts. And I just, I love learning deer by observing deer in close quarters when they don't know that I'm there. That's one of my favorite things to do. And honestly, sometimes it's more rewarding. Ah, I'm not going to say that. I'd rather stick an arrow in him. But that's a close second. <laughs> scratch that. Yeah, yeah scratch that. I want to kill him. But if I can't, then I want to learn something from him. The next best thing. No, that's very sure. true. Very oh. true. No, yeah. good, good, good point to call in for, John. We appreciate that. And I don't know. I've seen you on social media. I don't know. I thought we were following, but we are now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, you guys uh, are, are good for the hunting community, both both Clint and the OKS Hunter man. So so keep it up. We they need people need to see more of the real stuff, in my opinion. Um, you know, so yeah, go watch my doe. Keep hunt doing what you're doing, guys. When I missed and, and botched that shot, so it happens. Yeah, I was all proud. I was like, I'm all far. I'm all back in here. This is great. I'm a badass. Shot this doe. Total thunk. Like pass through. Couldn't find her. Yeah. Damn it. Same, it happens. Yeah. Same thing, man. Same thing happened to me. Like I thought it was, I had actually the worst part of it was I had it on video. It was like the first time I've actually filmed something in frame. Same. It was my <laughs> first time. I was like, I'm like, all right, first time I got it done. Let's go. Sure. And then it didn't happen. And we were all sure it was, she was dead somewhere. It smelled like deer, looked like blood. Man, it just didn't happen. She maybe she died. Who knows? We had a lot of first time filming actions. This yeah, we year. did. All Holy of us cow. Did. Yeah. My, Is that your first one on? Yeah. We, we, we kind of, we, I was just out of frame, but we, that's the doe that we, I got night you were out there hunting with me yeah. and it's on the whitetail experiences channel. You know, I sent the footage to Byron, you sent some footage to Byron. So it's all there for people to go check out. Um, it's not high quality <laughs> film work by any means, but you get the gist of it. There's a deer getting shot. There's a happy ending of us retrieving it and hauling it out, so it's good. Even that happy ending was not so happy no, five because, minutes before that because no, we were pretty down in the dumps, man. Because I hit that deer high with a single bevel head, and it's not a real wide cut. It it went plowing through, and it's like, man, the way that deer was acting, I know it's dead. I I, I watched where it went and disappeared. I didn't see it come out. It's got to be down in there. Well, when you're up in a saddle or tree stand and you're, you know, 12 to 15 feet up a tree everything looks different it does and then when you get down in the dark and you're looking for and now you have no blood and it's like yeah. wait a minute i know it went over there <laughs> luckily I, I i like in my mind i remembered what trees it passed because there were certain trees that looked a certain way you know one was a big white one no bark left on it and it was it was lopped off about 10 feet up so that was a landmark and then 
you know, I watched it disappear past there. So it was nice to be able to have that. But at the same, we're going, we want to track this deer. We can go over there and look for it, but I want to track it. So Derek and I were, and I'm glad we did. Yeah. Because it was good we, to see. We realized there wasn't much to no, see. And I hit it double lunged it high. So it had no place for blood to go out. The exit was mid body. Yeah. Mid a little. little bit higher. Yep. It was the hop, the top third. And we didn't find much. We didn't find much blood at all. all. We like the scene of the crime. The arrow was buried because it's a heavy arrow. It was buried way in into the into the nasty stuff. I had to go through stinging nettle to get it out of the, <laughs> out of the muck. Got it out of there, and yeah, it was coated in blood. There's hair laying all over the place. No white hair, so we knew it wasn't a a pass through from high down to low. It was all brown hair, and then a chunk of meat, and then some blood on some grass and some willow, and then like we just were looking for running tracks in that peat. You know, it's all peak ground and we'd find found it and i'm like i know where it went from here but there's no blood you know what let's just go look and we bump a deer and we're like oh crap was that it you don't know and go a little bit further and i'm like well i'm just gonna go this way and he's like well he's over there derek's over there checking the bed there's no blood in it and uh go a little bit further and i'm like you know there's an open spot over here and there's a path i'm just gonna follow it and i get over there and I just see, you know, the, the white, white belly, the white belly oh, yeah. and the rump. And I'm like, Hey, it's like, what? Like, here it is. No way. Yep. I got is. excited when you thought you found yeah. my dough and it was a tree. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's like, I found it, found it. We're like, woo. Well, it was we a look and it was white a... and the thickest stuff yeah. you could find. It's like, I see white over there. I, you know, you can marinate it. it, but it don't taste the same. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but John, thanks for calling in. And uh, Clint, thanks for being our guest tonight. Uh, with that, I think we'll, we'll end the live feed, live broadcast, and as everyone knows, this will be in podcast land tonight. So we'll awesome! Thank you. Thanks for having me on, fellas. I appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, it was a we, blast. Thank you. Appreciate all you guys. We'll debrief with you in just a sec here, but we'll end the live stream. And thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Never pass. See you. Don't forget your release. Ain't no shit. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everyone? Anthony Heller here from Deer Vane, and this week's tip of the week is related to keeping your feet warm as we enter into this late cold season. In the deer hunting woods all right this question comes up every year and i answer it every year but i think it cannot be said enough the reason your feet will typically get cold the majority of the time they'll get cold in the woods after you've been sitting for an hour or so is because they sweat people go out and buy 1200 gram 2000 gram 1000 gram thinsulate boots thinking that they're going to keep their feet warmer and then they walk 400 yards to their stand and their feet sweat the whole way, get all that thinsulate wet, their socks are wet, and all that moisture in there is what keeps your feet cold. That's what cools you down. It's literally a, a, a biological function within your body to produce sweat to cool you down, okay? So the best thing you can do to keep your feet warm in the tree is to mitigate sweat. Try not to sweat, or if you know you're gonna have to, right? So, so two ways you can do this. One is just go really slow. All right. I don't wear insulated boots the entire season, regardless if it's zero degrees or 80 degrees, I don't wear, uh, insulated boots. Okay. So that's my personal tip, whether I'm walking hundred yards or 500 yards or a thousand yards. But the first big tip I can give is walk slow and, and, and be efficient with your steps. Don't overcommit. Don't do a whole lot of walking around that you don't need to. But the second thing I can say 
is that if you're going to know you're walking far, there's two things you can do. One, bag your feet with grocery bags. Okay, so put your socks on, put your put the bags on, then put your bag, put the socks and the bags in your boot. That way, the the moisture will stay within that bag. It won't get into the boot, and your boot will be dry. So when you get to the stand, you take off your you pull your feet out of your boots, take off your socks, take off the bags, put new socks on, put them in the warm boots. They're warm, but they're not moisture. They don't have a lot of wetness in them. So then that boot is going to stay warm for a lot longer than a boot that's wet. All right, that's the biggest tip I can give is to change your socks or really mitigate that moisture um, and bag your bag your feet. It really helps. I did it last year a few times uh, in zero degree days and I was able to sit, you know, six, seven hours um, without any issue with uninsulated boots on. All right, hope that helps everyone. All right, that was a really fun episode. Strong episode, good tip, Anthony. By the way, uh, one thing I did earlier this bow season is I got well, not early bow season, but earlier this season during late season bow, uh, I brought a coat with me, my boating coat, and I was pretty warm on, on my layers of top. And I packed in my coat, and I actually put my boots into this, the arms of my coat and wrapped my coat around my boots, and that helped pretty help. That helped a lot. Uh, actually, got my feet warm, warmer than I would have thought because I don't wear uh, at the time I wasn't wearing insulated boots either. I was wearing just neoprene, the the gum leaf boots. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, I guess there's like a Richardson 112 hat shortage <laughs> across the board for a number of hats. So uh, some of the hats that we put on our website aren't available right now. We're trying to look at some other suppliers here to see if we can't find some inventory of those things so we can get our hats back uh, out and selling. We're selling a lot of merch right now. The Buffalo plaid koozies, the fleece flannel koozies are still going hot. We got a few more of those left before we're out and we'd have to reorder another batch of those. No shortage there, luckily. Uh decals and stickers are flying off the shelf. So it's good to see folks, you know, enjoying the brand that way and, and carrying it out uh, through some real uh, merch and memorabilia and things like that, mementos, whatever you want to call it. And uh, thanks for everyone that's starting to call in. It's really fun to have a, the show be call in. That's always been the goal to have a two-way conversation and hear from our listeners, not just talk at everybody. So that's been pretty great. We had a good guest lineup here heading into December. Um, we got a Fun, some fun things we're planning for the new year. we got a really big episode we're trying to do. And by big, I mean it's going to be a lot of people on that episode. Uh, sometime in January, we're going to land on a date here. It's going to be a, uh, the Hunting Podcast podcast. It's going to be most of the hunting podcasters in that podcasting space and the outdoor uh, side of things. And we're going to come together on one big episode. I think that's going to be uh, kind of fun. It'll probably be a total shit show, but we'll see where that goes. Um so I can say there. Oh yeah, in March we're doing a trade show in in the Dells at the Kalahari the last week of March. So that'll be I'll get more details for that as that rolls up closer. But it'd be fun for anybody that's attending that to stop by the booth and say hi. Um, we're putting on an archery shoot in August. I know that's really far away, but it's at a brewery here in Wisconsin called Hubbleton Brewery. Uh, Greg is going to be heading up the course development and putting out all of the targets. Our buddy Anthony Heller is going to supply us with the, the foam or the targets, so to speak. So uh, <laughs> a good coop effort there. And we're working on some sponsors aligned there so we can give away some, some fun prizes for a good giveaway. Uh, last place winners only because <laughs> it's the OKS Hunter shoot. Uh, but it's called Foam Fest. For those that don't know or haven't seen anything promoted just yet. And it'll be our first annual Foam Fest 2021 at Hubbleton Brewing uh, last <laughs> weekend of uh, August 
I think is what we're thinking on there. I, I do have some dates picked out, so I got to recircle back on that too. But we got time there. We'll put some some stuff up for that. Otherwise, I'm still just getting over the stupid cold. I'm on the tail end of it, which is nice. So I'm feeling better here. Uh, good to have Greg and, and Derek back in studio. Uh, we had brandy old, not brandy, bourbon old fashions tonight with Drop Time. That was pretty good. So just one drink tonight. Tasty, tasty drink. Kind of like a, a nice little treat. Had a good Thanksgiving with the family. Went and chopped down our Christmas tree, decorated that. That was a good time. So uh, now it's time to focus on the family and, and get ready for Christmas and stuff like that. So we'll be on, you know, all Tuesdays for the remainder of December, except for the, the Christmas week. I think we're probably going to take a break for that one. Otherwise, uh, if you guys got questions or comments, you know, always feel free to email, message us on our social platforms. If you got feedback for us, leave us a review on iTunes or something. Uh, if it's positive or negative, you want, we want good feedback so we can adjust or keep doing more of whatever is working. So with that said, hopefully everybody has a great day, a great week, and you're enjoying this podcast wherever you're listening. Thanks for tuning in and have a great day.